Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Wayman Wednesday. That means you're about to hear a message from the founder of our fellowship, Pastor Wayman Mitchell. Even though he entered into his reward and is in the presence of our Lord, we still need to hear his clarion call to faithfulness, holiness, discipleship, and commitment to the cause of Christ. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Very refreshed to see the emphasis that uh, was put on Anzac uh, Day here in Australia. The newspapers filled and the observation uh, that is there. Very refreshing uh, to see people honoring the military that have served this nation. Uh, anyone who's ever been in the military, uh, any kind of honoring, any kind of appreciation, uh, it, uh, it always moves them. I, I, I'm always moved uh, about, uh, about recognition uh, for those who have served their country in the military. And it was very inf- refreshing to see the emphasis, I think, two uh, major West Australian uh, issues uh, emphasizing all that, the, I think uh, Brett told me some 42,000 gathered uh, in Kings Park to observe that yesterday. Uh, very, very refreshing to see people that have appreciation for those that have served uh, uh, in the military. On December 7, 1941, I was a young boy, 11, uh, 12 years old, uh, playing outside. When my father stepped out the door and said to me, Uh, Pearl Harbor has just been bombed uh, by the Japanese. Now, at that age, I had no comprehension uh, what this would mean. Uh, It uh, had very little meaning for me, just a statement they made. But very rapidly, uh, our nation changed uh, almost overnight. America totally mobilized. Uh, Every uh, facet of our life changed uh, I had two brothers that very shortly, one in the Army, one in the, uh, in the Navy, uh, were uh, serving in the military. Everything in our country changed because we were shifted to a military mindset. Now, in the passage of Scripture I'm going to read uh, this morning, I want to talk to you about soldiers. The Apostle Paul uh, uh, catches an imagery as he often does, and makes a statement uh, that is very powerful and very potent concerning believers in Jesus Christ. I want you to follow with me in 2 Timothy 2, two verses, verses 3 and verse 4. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself uh, with the affairs of this life, uh, that he may please him uh, who enlisted him uh, as a soldier. I want to talk to you for a moment about soldiers. I want to point out to you, first of all, a very common trap uh, that happens, especially uh, in the Christian faith. We become confused uh, often in life about the necessities of life. It has not been all that long ago that the necessities of life actually fit into two categories, food 
and clothing and perhaps shelter uh, was a major consideration. But uh, that was about uh, the focus of most people who lived in our modern societies in Australia, America, or in the Western world. And uh, having said that, uh, how life has changed in a short period of time. Can you say amen? See, I can remember cars coming into existence. <laughs> I was just having a family reunion with the, uh, our family in Phoenix while we were in America. And uh, in that, they had a photograph album. And in the photograph album, they showed some, some um, uh, photographs uh, of where uh, our origin was in the Mitchell family. There's a post office that was a part of those photo photographs. It was called Mitchell, Arkansas, a whole post office named after our family. This was a general store where people in that rural community would pick up their mail. And I can remember in my memory, I probably would have been five years old, riding in a wagon pulled by a team of horses uh, going to that store to trade within my lifetime. Now today, life has totally changed. How many of you remember uh, when you didn't really have to have a car? Anybody still remember those days? How, how life has changed today. Today, if you don't have an automobile, you hardly are even in existence. Can you say amen? And, uh, I, I, uh, and many other things, uh, absolutely necessary. I was going down the freeway in uh, Phoenix, Arizona a few months ago, and a huge billboard was posted there. And in that billboard, it was advertising touchscreen blackberries. And I said, touched green blackberry. You know, blackberries to me is something you pick off of a bush. <laughs> and I had to ask my son, I said, what is a touchscreen blackberry? <laughs> and see, I come out of the Stone Age. <laughs> but today, if you don't have all of these necessities, or we think of these necessities, all these toys, uh, we compute that into our mindset uh, that uh, life at its fullest is having every latest gadget and toy uh, that's available in life. And we must have these. It's not just they're available. We're nothing unless we have all of these things. Listen to Jesus uh, in Luke 12, verse 15. He said to them, take heed and, uh, uh, and beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things uh, that he possesses. See, the trap we have in life, and this is especially in believe, uh, as believers, that because of all these things, if we're not very careful, we are trapped by over-involvement. Uh, and in verse 4, the scripture states very clearly the affairs... Uh, of this life. This is an interesting statement. It uses a Greek word, uh, which is uh, uh, pragmatia, which literally means to busy oneself with. And so, as the Apostle Paul writes there, he's writing to Christian soldiers, and in the Bible view, every believer is called to be a Christian soldier. How many can say amen? And so as he writes there, he says, you need to beware that you do not become over-involved uh, 
thinking that uh, priority is to have every gadget or everything that's in life. Uh, and uh, the difficulty we have uh, is that we have this mindset uh, that we must have that. And the Apostle Paul is challenging his generation, uh, and especially Pastor uh, Timothy, who pastored in Ephesus. Uh, he's challenging him to beware lest he is uh, over-involved by the affairs uh, of this life. How many of you know we're in an information overload today? Very interesting. I was uh, reading about this, and it says if you feel overloaded, you're not crazy. You're normal. But you may feel distracted, frustrated, or half sick because the average office worker gets 220 messages a day in emails, memos, phone calls, interruptions, and ads. Just when I was putting this sermon on cards, I received five phone calls. In addition to that, I received two more phone calls from overseas in extensive counseling and giving help and giving encouragement. And we live in the generation that there's a tremendous information overload. Now, what happens to us is, is called hurry sickness. How many of you uh, enjoy fast food? Five of you. There's no, this is not a trick question. This is a, if you enjoy fast food, there's something missing inside you. Fast food is presented so that you can get something to eat in a hurry. It may or may not be good for you. Uh, I was thinking about McDonald's, you know, McDonald's uh, huge advertising campaign. The reason that people go to McDonald's uh, uh, to get a meal is because the kids have a happy meal or some kind of toy or some kind of gadget. But let's be honest about McDonald's. You know, McDonald's uh, is like uh, eating ground up newspaper between a bun. (laughs) But the reason you go there is you want something fast. Because we live in a generation where hurry sickness, we might say, has laid hold of us because of all these things that are crashing in upon us. And there is something that is interesting that we need to understand. There's a spiritual trap that comes with this. And in Mark 4, verses 18 and 19, Jesus said the thorny ground represents the hearts of people who listen to the good news and receive it. But all too quickly, the attractions of this world and the delights of wealth and the search for success and the lure of nice things come in and crowd out God's message from their hearts so that no crop is produced. Now, someone has written a very interesting commentary and says, for most of us, the danger is not that we renounce our faith. It is that we will become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we will settle for a mediocre version of it. We just skim our lives instead of actually living them. Here we live in an age 
when all these things can become crashing in upon you, but generally it doesn't all of a sudden. It's just a creep that comes. And the next thing you know, we're over-involved and we have laid aside our priorities and no longer do the things of God occupy the place that they once did or that they should did. And there are many, many illustrations of that today. Someone's written a comment said, hurry is not of the devil. It is the devil. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry uh, from your life. It was Daniel who prophesied, and he prophesied at the last days, uh, of the last days, uh, and he said, in the last days, uh, many shall run to and fro. Now, he uh, aptly has described, I remember uh, distinctly uh, landing one time coming from an overseas trip in Los Angeles, California, and the uh, pilot of our aircraft had a sense of humor, and we're circling, making a turn. It was a clear day over Los Angeles. We could see down on the freeways the multitudes of cars, I mean, absolutely bumper to bumper, not just one. Every place you look is rush hour traffic. They're bumper to bumper, uh, and the pilot said, folks, we're just approaching our land- landing in Los Angeles, uh, and if if you look down below, you will see the restlessness of the natives. And so <laughs> that was a very apt description. But you see, what happens to us if we're not very, very careful is that we begin to lay aside the priorities uh, that should uh, uh, lay hold of us. And there's a hidden cost that comes to this uh, that we need to note. In the Old Testament, there's a, there's a, a little parable was told. And there's a prophet that is speaking, but uh, he's telling a little parable. And this little parable is told in 1 Kings 20 and verse 39. It said, a man came over and brought a man to me. And he said, guard this man. If by any means he's missing, your life shall be for his life. Uh, And he goes on to say, while your servant was busy here and there, uh, he was gone. Or in other words, there was something lost uh, and the prophet's wanting to underline and bring out uh, that event. uh, And uh, he brings a focus to us because there's a strategy that was involved uh, in the people of God in that time, in the warfare and the conflict they were involved in. And it points forward to this morning to the warfare that you and I are involved in. There's a strategic element uh, and that strategic element is if we're not very careful then we become distracted uh, and uh, the advantage is lost uh, that God has given to us uh, and we do not pursue the advantage that we have given by God uh, over our uh, enemy uh, and our dominion is lost uh, and the payment and the cost uh, is the precious souls of men and women that God has aimed for us to reach. Now look at our text for a moment. Uh, Because as Paul writes to Timothy and leaves it for you and I, souls are the battleground of which he's speaking. No man, he says, who is engaged in warfare, verse 4, entangles himself with the affairs of this life. And then he writes a New Living Translation, says, as Christ's soldier... 2 Timothy 2, verse 4, no one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please uh, his commanding uh, officer. So here we have one of the great dilemmas that we have. We're involved in a great congregation uh, this morning. 
And uh, God has afforded us wonderful opportunities, uh, a gracious moving of the Holy Spirit, souls getting saved. But sometimes uh, when you're looking for workers and uh, you begin to reach out and, and say to people, uh, we have this activity or we have this need within our congregation, uh, we hear back from people, I'm too busy. I just, uh, I, I really would like to help, but I'm too, I'm too busy. And so what we're dealing with then is a commitment creep. If we're not very careful, we become uh, committed to things uh, and the things we become involved in uh, aren't really the strategic thing that God would uh, have us to do, uh, but things creep in upon us, uh, and all of a sudden we find ourselves uh, unable to respond. Jobs and housing uh, are one of the uh, immediate uh, and one of the apparent things uh, that uh, we have to consider. I was reading uh, a story uh, a couple of months ago, and uh, in this story, it was talking about uh, in Arizona, uh, two major cities. One is Tucson, one is Phoenix. They're about 125 miles apart. And I was stunned as I read how many people that live in Tucson commute every day 125 miles to Phoenix, Arizona to work. I said, you got to be kidding. But the reason they do that is, uh, is that they like the lifestyle in Tucson better than they like the lifestyle in Phoenix. Uh, and because of that, some, some of these were temporary, of course, uh, but this was a lifestyle choice uh, that these people made. I'm going to live in Tucson. I'm going to drive every day and commute to Phoenix, 125 mile. And this article had all the things that they did to occupy themselves while they were stuck in traffic jams or, or while they're on, on the way. And uh, this was, uh, this, sometimes, you know, some traumatic event forced them loss of a job or whatever, but most of those uh, had simply drifted into this uh, and they'd made a lifestyle choice. Now the problem we have uh, is that they're hidden costs. I have an interesting little clip that I clipped out and that, clip, uh, that clipping said that there's two things uh, that are, uh, are not, uh, not they, they don't happen suddenly, but these two decisions, uh, one is buying a car and the other's buying a home, uh, lock tight household budgets in uh, for decades. I read that. I thought to myself, yes, that's true. And sometimes those decisions are made without thinking of the hidden costs uh, that that's going to uh, incur and uh, make encroachments upon our dedication to the Lord. And uh, we uh, fail to realize uh, that this is creeping up. We make this decision. Yeah, well, I can make that payment or I can do that. And we fail to take into account that sometimes this becomes deadly uh, and not only for a month or two, but sometime for decades. One of the uh, sacred cows of our generation is family time. Uh, family time. You know, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's people in church that uh, they've got to take their kids to a sports program or they've got to, uh, uh, they've got to uh, 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 give priority to the kids. You know, they're involved in a team or they're involved in the... And so I can't come to church tonight because I've got to dri drive them or they're involved. When I was thinking about that, I was reminded of our son, Greg. He no longer is the little boy that he used to be that fits my illustration. Greg was probably 
10 years old, maybe 11, I can't remember, but uh, he wanted to become involved in Little League. Now, I don't know if they have Little League here, but this is a baseball uh, team. And so I uh, said, well, what, what's involved? Well, uh, we're going to have to play uh, on Wednesday. I said, well, what time Wednesday? Well, it's, uh, it was early uh, uh, in the evening. Uh, and I said, well, uh, there's a condition. You can play on that as long as you are going to be in church on time. Now look into these beady eyes. Okay. This is the guy. Okay. This is the cruel dominator. And I still remember Greg coming to church in his little league baseball uniform because I set down the rule and said, we're Christians, God first. Then we work out whatever else is. And he abided by those rules uh, and never did become a famous baseball player. (laughs) You see, if you're not very careful, the flesh, your flesh, uh, will begin to make an excuse uh, and make encroachments upon you because you're wanting to give family time. I've had people say to me, well, our kids have got to be in bed at 8 o'clock or they just can't survive. Are you kidding me? They're not going to bed. They're going to watch TV. Watching TV is hardly family time. Become very popular in the church world uh, to dismiss services. One of these is Wednesday evening. This is family night. You can't go to church on Wednesday night because God knows that family needs time together with you. And there are other churches. It's becoming very popular, very rare today uh, uh, for churches to have a Sunday night service. I was puzzled at this because I come from another generation. And uh, I could not hardly believe that Pentecostal, full gospel churches were dismissing their services on Sunday night. And so I'm hearing this, and so I sent a man in our, in our church, I said, Pete, I want you to go all over Prescott area, and I want you to see how many churches uh, uh, that are there, Nazarene churches, uh, 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 Foursquare churches, uh, Assembly of God churches, uh, uh, Bible pre-Baptist churches, I want you to see how many of them uh, are having a service uh, on Sunday night. Uh, I sent him all over the Prescott area. Not a single one was having a Sunday night service. And so I said to me, to myself, uh, well, we may be a rare breed, but I want to tell you that God uh, needs to be declared. Can you say amen? The gospel needs to be preached. I remember years ago, I was pastoring in the, in the northwest part of the United States, and, and uh, in the denomination I was raised in, they had fallen into, on Wednesday night, is prayer night and Bible study. So, uh, following in a long tradition as I'm pastoring, uh, what I did on Wednesday night is uh, I led a little Bible study, uh, which was uh, uh, a few people come to hear that, and uh, they'd come to that, and then uh, we'd say, okay, let's go to prayer. And uh, the, the crowd that came would, uh, would bow down their heads. Some of them would get on their knees and uh, listen to me pray for about five minutes, uh, and then it was over. Well, this is very dissatisfying for a preacher. How many of you know that? Their ego is on, on the line. How many of you know uh, preachers have egos? And so I said to myself, this is not working. 
Uh, why should I give a little Bible study and have these people listen to me pray for five minutes and then uh, they're getting up and going home. And so I announced to the church, uh, Wednesday night, we're changing our schedule. Wednesday night, I'm going to be preaching the gospel. Uh, and I was stunned as our attendance quadrupled. Uh, and, I, and the penny dropped. I said, wow, these people want to hear the gospel preached. Uh, and that's why in our fellowship churches around the world, we have Wednesday night preaching services because people will come to hear the gospel declared. Can you say amen? So family time is uh, something that you need to work in if you have a family. But I want to tell you that we're dealing with a soldier. Paul writes to Timothy and he says, I want you to understand that you need to not allow the affairs of this life to crowd out uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, and him who has called you to be a soldier. Now, there has to be an assessment made. And uh, making that assessment uh, means that you're going to have to discover what is uh, the priorities of life. In the Old Testament, we have the story of a man named Jacob. He's coming back from Haran. He's got his families with him, his flocks and his herds. And in Genesis 32, we pick up the story of this man because suddenly he's in crisis mode. Genesis 32, verse 9. Then Jacob said, Oh God. Now what's happened is he's going back and he's sending uh, his uh, uh, his uh, 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 representative head to see what's there and uh, said, you go and tell uh, Esau, my brother, that Jacob is coming uh, and he's coming back to the land of promise. Uh, and he does that for a reason. The reason is that when Jacob went up to Haran, uh, to Uncle Laban's house, uh, he was involved in a little drama in the household. And the last time he laid eyes on Esau was, Esau said, my dad's going to die pretty quick. And when he does, I'm going to kill you. And mama said, quick, because Jacob was mama's boy. He ran up to Haran. He's there for 21 years. Now God's saying, I want you to come back. How many of you know that God will eventually bring you to the place where you're going to face life? How many of you know that? You're going to have to face the issues of life. I want you to come back. And so he sends out, and as they go out, they said, Esau is coming. And he has 400 men with him. Now, they weren't coming to have a soccer game. They were coming to fulfill the pledge that Esau had made. When I see you again, I'm going to kill you. And that was his full intention. A crisis time. How many of you know this crisis time? Genesis 32, verse 9, then Jacob said, O God, verse 11, deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he come and attack me and the mother with the children. So here's a wake-up call. How many of you know that sooner or later, God is going to give you a wake-up call? You can divert you can be involved in things that will captivate your life. You can be uh, 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 turning aside from the life of a Christian soldier. But sooner or later, you're going to be alone with God. And it would be very good if you come to evaluate in life what is really important now rather than uh, when the crisis comes in life. Uh, and don't wait for a crisis to come to realize uh, the priorities uh, that, you ha uh, that you should have. Look at the issue, verse 4. The issue is that he may please uh, him uh, who has called him uh, to be uh, a soldier. 
And the cue then is in this word. The Bible says in the New King James, he enlisted us. King James says he called us. He enlisted us. And so here we have to come to grips with the priorities of life because Jesus Christ has enlisted you this morning if you're a believer and he's called you to a life of a soldier. Listen to John 11 verse 9. Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. Now, you need to underline a fact this morning, and that is that God gives us all the time that we need to do that which is important in life. It is our responsibility then to work in the priorities and those things that are essential. And the key is to discern what it is that's essential in life. Matthew 6, verse 33, uh, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, uh, and then all these things uh, shall be added uh, unto you. Now, this is not automatic. The very essence of these words mean that there's something that you have to decide. And as you decide that, you then begin to put the priorities in life. And there are many excuses. When I get the kids raised, then I'm going to. Or when I graduate from high school, then I'm going to. Or when I draw my retirement, then I'm going. We can use a million excuses. But the issue, Jesus says, you need to put first the kingdom of God. And in Sunday school, we had a tremendous passage of scripture that I want to, uh, uh, I want to read to you. Luke nine fifty seven through 62. Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have net, but the son of man has nothing, nowhere to lay his head. Then he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I'll follow you, but let me first go and bid farewell to them who are in my house. But Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now, what we have to do this morning is we have to recover eternity. Listen to me very carefully. We have to recover eternity. Christianity is about eternity. You're going to spend somewhere for eternity. And what we have to do is recover eternity and fit it into our priorities. And one author says, hurry means that we gather impressions, but we have no experiences. That we collect acquaintances, but we make no friends. That we attend meetings, but experience no encounter. We must recover eternity if we're to find time. And eternity is what Jesus came to restore. For without it, there can be no perspective of life. We have this morning an age-old choice. And that choice is between the temporal or the present and the eternal and the spiritual. As a Christian soldier, that decision must be made not on what we feel or what we really, our appetites cry for, but it has to be made on the essence of the passages there. If Jesus Christ has enlisted us as a Christian soldier, 
then we have responsibility then to fit our lifestyle into that framework. I want every head bowed. I want every eye closed. No one looking around for the next several moments. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless. God bless.